It's getting right up on the sprint lane and it's going to bolt in. Welcome back to this special episode of The Sprint Lane. This is the Eureka Series. We're talking to people who are involved in the inaugural running of the Tab Eureka, this wonderful new format which will be held at Tabcorp Park Menangle on the 2nd of September. It is going to be fantastic. Don't miss it. Now, the slots, the horses are being allocated and they are filling up fast. There is one that is going to be filled with a very special race on the 20th of August. It is called The Singer. It is named after the man we're talking to in this episode John Singleton, who has taken up one of those slots. Now, in part A, Singo talked about how wonderful it is for him to be back involved in harness racing. We are thrilled to have him back in our sport. We talked about his journey through the equine industry, how he came to be involved, his love for the equine industry, and where we left it in part A, he was talking about his all-time favourite, Strawberry Road. The great journey that that horse took him on and the time him and his great mate Kerry Packer nearly, oh so close, to winning millions at the Arc de Triomphe in France. And that was a great adventure, mate. What could have been? And what a time we had. What a time. It was marvellous. So through, um, obviously you had mateships through your your professional career outside of racing, but I guess... Racing would have galvanised those even more, wouldn't it? So you, you mentioned Kerry Packer. I yeah. You're good mates with Jerry Harvey. Um, well, Jerry got me into it. Yeah. He, he, in the first place, I remember going to a – I used to handle his advertising. He had a little Harvey Norman called Norman Ross. Yep. Then Katie showed him how to do it properly. <laughs> <laughs> if I had to meet him, I had to go to the old oak tree at Inglis and meet Jerry there. And that's where – I told him about advertising would work for Norman. Imagine Harvey Norman now. Look at their advertising. I yeah. think back then, it took me 18 months to convince Jerry that advertising was worth trying. It took me another year to persuade him that we could get the money off the suppliers <laughs> and stick it in so he wouldn't actually have to pay. He liked that bit. And then Jerry, when we were there, he said, you ever thought about buying a horse? I said, oh, yeah. He said, would you want to buy a couple with me? I said, oh, all right. So I went and got two pies and two cups of tea and we bought Fleet Royal. Fleet Royal was in foal and its first foal won the Jim Crack, so I was then addicted. Yep. I was a genius. Yeah. <laughs> One that bought the Jim Crack winner, breeded a Jim Crack, bred a Jim Crack winner. Yep. And so Jerry was, and then Jerry and I were partners in, uh, we've been partners in most things in our life. Some, some have worked, some have not. I could have been his partner in Harvey Norman and been a billionaire, but I might have finished up as mean and miserable as him. So <laughs> I, I didn't, I did, I'm just as well that didn't happen. Well it, well, it loops us back into you know the selection process that you're going through yeah. for with the singo. You and Jerry had a rather unique process, even when it came to Libertini with the Everest, didn't you? Yes. Yeah. yeah. Tell us about that. Well, I was up at Jerry's farm at Barrymore, and Jerry and I have a a running battle about who who's going to live the longest, who's going to go broke the first, who was the best in in bed in the days. <laughs> <laughs> In the days, back in the day, who's going to live the longest? We've got Dead Man's Pool going. And people not putting their money in. They keep dying without putting their million dollars in. So the winner was, we had 20 blokes all put in a million. Yeah. We finish up, like, it's a bit like the, a bit like the Everest. <laughs> we call it the Death Valley, Dead Man's Pool. But people are dying, and I'm, I'm the favourite now to last, but Jerry's still remarkably fit, still plays A-grade tennis yeah. every Saturday. And Katie looks after him. Yep. 
She'd do a lot better if she let him go. But my plan is to finish up with Katie. <laughs> then I'll get half of Jerry's, plus mine, plus Katie's. <laughs> I'm going to finish in front. So that's between us. Right. Okay. We and won't Jerry tell doesn't want to listen to Trot, so. <laughs> <laughs> he only likes maidens at Goldman. <laughs> so, but you guys had a, essentially you tossed a coin. Does yes. It, you know, with, with Libertini, does a horse go to... No, Libertini was... Uh, Don Tarrant or Chris Waller. No, it, w- it was a beautiful... It was just a standout. And I said, Jesus, Jerry, how come you've got a horse that looks good? Yeah. Typical bagging. Yeah. He's not keen on feeding him. There's leftover sandwiches. <laughs> and it was. He said, mate, do you know what that is? I said, no. He said, that's a full brother to Libertini. I said, I'll buy it off you. Yeah. <laughs> I just loved the look of it. It was yeah. just yeah. like Sunday joy when I first saw it. Just Sunday silence. Yep. Joy to me. Mm. I just had to have it. And he said, well, you can have it for X. And I said, no. I'll buy, give you half. So he conned me out of a million bucks, which was pretty rough for a mate. You know, he should have gone to auction. We could have been. Anyway, as it turned out, not too bad. And uh, we gave it to Michael Friedman to train. I wanted to give it to Les Bridge. And do you know what Jerry said? He's an old man. He's an old man. <laughs> I said, what are you, Jerry? <laughs> anyway, so Les, Les missed out. And they gave it to Michael Friedman, nice bloke, Michael. But when I saw the horse, even though it won, it seemed to be at least hundred pound over. It's, and I, I just like jockeys who go bang, 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 and look like they're really life and death, mm. natural Willa McDipman style. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I prefer that to the Peter Cook, calm and steady. I like the risk, yeah, Malcolm yeah. Johnson. Yeah. Well, Larry Olson, he's the best. He could do the. Peter Cook or the McDipman, whatever you wanted. Yep. But we have a – I switched it to Gay because I thought this is our last chance, Jerry and I, to have a really good stallion, to make a stallion together. And I really don't think it's going to happen unless Gay, even though Gay and I had to – we had to mend a few mend fences. A few bridges, yeah. Mend a few bridges, as you say, sorry. Fences, I was doing yeah. bridges, whatever. And we'd made friends and moved on. It's just one of those oversights. You shouldn't say the magic word if you're abusing someone. Look if there's a microphone. <laughs> Not abusing, just disagreeing yep. with why the horse would run under such conditions. Long story, all best forgotten. But more joyous was, you know, that it was 20 wins or 21 wins, 20 group wins, eight group ones. And unlucky, in the silver slipper, 10 to 1, I remember it buck jumped all around the pack. Mate, well, April 2012, three group ones in four weeks. Yeah. What a month. It's all right. And at the same time, we had more strawberries coming through group ones. Yeah. Then once for a while, group ones. Zagalia group ones. I had the Midas touch. Alive, eh? Remember that book, Bookie Harry Barrett? Yeah. World's most surly bloke. He's dead now, I think, so. Yeah. And I, I leaked out to him. I got blokes to go and tell him because I was winning money everywhere. I got blokes to like, yeah, Singo's got the juice. Jerry Rose, my bet. He, Jerry's got that juice. Singo's moved around all these unfashionable trainers. <laughs> So he's got, so Harry Barrett actually sent me a letter, which I sent to Packer. Realizing hey, he would get it, he didn't accept my bets anymore. <laughs> <laughs> or the maximum by law he had to was to win fifteen or five bob or whatever it was. Yeah. But I remember thinking, how good I've got! I've conned Harry Barrett into the fact I know what I'm doing, and all the horses, all the horses are full of juice. And Harry fell for it. I was wrapped in it, and we kept having winners. And then. Uh, a few years ago, 
few years ago, the uh, the rains stopped, the sun came out, and it was drought. Yeah, oh, I had a drought. That's racing. But yeah, it's racing, mate. And if you don't have the periods where you have lull, you don't really get the exaltation when you have a win. Yeah. So now we've got Hawaii. I've got a horse called Cordia Frankel, with uh, it's a really special horse that one. I've just. Uh, I think with Jerry and I with Hawaii, he, he thought I was a... It's Hawaii 5A. Hawaii 5 yeah, We couldn't horse. get Hawaii, so I just stuck 5 on it. Good horse. Good horse. Yeah. Come third and uh, not many, only three horses the last 25 years have won the Stradbroke. Yeah. A good third. It'll win it next year. But it's coming in, coming back in the winks. And then we've uh, got the golden Everest, of course, maybe, yep. if we get a start. And the golden... Uh, Golden Rose, which is for four-year-olds, yeah. that'll be made for it. What um what mateship you've you've managed to get? As I said, not just in three racing, but racing's mm. helped really broaden that mateship for you. And I, oh, I, yeah, I remember, yeah. I remember seeing something. You reckon that at a time there, Jerry was the biggest punter in town. That's right. And there was it was Kerry Packer and Rupert Murdoch and you were number four. Yeah. What sort of what sort of coin are we talking? In my case, every penny I had. <laughs> Jerry had an auction those days, him and Ian Norman. And you take your fridge out to Harvey Norman Ross at Auburn on this vacant block of land, give him your old fridge, and he'd auction it for you, take 10% or 20 And it was all it had to be cash, cash, cash. So they had these special suits designed with pockets right down to the bottom of your leg, yeah. full of stuff, full of cash. So at those days, did Jerry have any idea how much he had on him? <laughs> tens and tens of thousands. He also used to import all those flash American cars and have yeah. the steering wheel moved to the other side, to the Aussie side. He was really flash Harry, and he dressed like a lair. He had a bodgy haircut, he had hair, and he wasn't that bad looking. And girls found him a bit attractive, particularly as he insisted on buying French champagne. And Money was just no object to Harvey. And we used to go after the motor club, Mandarin club, various pickup joints. We'd then go to the clubs. We go to the 33, the Goulburn, well, every club in Goldman Street, they're all, all down there. And uh, Ker- Kerry was still had his dad, his dad's Harry Chester, his finance bloke, keeping a close eye on Kerry that he didn't. So Kerry wasn't allowed to gamble millions those days. Oh. <laughs> his old man was against that. And uh, Rupert now has caused his Presbyterian ethic was anti-gambling. And we only had a couple of nights out with Rupert and he was... Maybe it was just a flash in the pan night for him, just a big night every so often. Whereas Kerry and Jerry and myself, it was whenever we could get there. Yeah. And when I, I remember when I got married, I, I knew, knew I had a few grand to get married, but when I went to the bank, I, I owed them money. Because <laughs> I didn't keep a record of my bets. And I thought they were mad because I used to be able to sign the cheque at the 33 Club yep. and they'd give me their money. I thought, these guys are mad. <laughs> They're going to go broke. <laughs> But if you won, they used to give you a lift home and a girl who liked you to drive you home and yep. pretend to like you. If you lost, they'd shout your taxi. <laughs> and and Jack Gibson used to also, always used to say to me, he always called me Dear John, Dear John. He didn't make your money gambling. Don't lose it gambling. Yeah. So instead of listening to him, I'd go to a club where he wasn't so I could lose what I wanted without any lectures from Jack, from Big Jack. Moral oversight from... Yeah, moral oversight. Anyway, yeah. The pot calling. Is it? Mate, tell me if this is an urban myth. Check his nightclub. Yeah. You had an office or a change room there, so you could yeah, I did. go straight to work. 
Well, yeah. <laughs> well, Dennis Wong realised I was a real sucker. I also had my office in the second floor of the whole floor of the Mandarin Club building, Goulburn Street. So if you're in the second floor of the Mandarin Club building, where are you going to go for lunch? The Mandarin Club. Or you can eat 10 shillings. <laughs> prawns, like an oysters, which you've never seen. Enfield, I've never seen prawns and oysters except in a bottle. Yeah. <laughs> and prawns always only in prawn cutlets yep. at the Burwood Chinese. So it was just a remarkable thing to me that you could go to the motor club and they had schooners for a shilling or middies or schooners, I forget what they were. And I used to meet there every every night. I'd had no drink rule. Always had no drink rule during the day. Could have coached your weakness. But after work, always an open bar. And at those days, go straight to the Mandarin Club. The Mandarin Club, you just, it was a license to have fun, do dough, eat, drink. And then we'd go to the motor club. Right. (laughs) Okay. So you had a night, basically, you had a change room at the nightclub. Yeah. Well, Dennis said to me in broken Chinese, because I used to go to the gambling club and finish at four or five, I like to be at work early. Yep. (laughs) Where you sleep? I said, I don't. If I come again. Ah, oh, so he gave me a dressing shed, so a dressing room at yep. the back of Checkers. So and I had my own key. So when you walked up to Checkers, where Shirley Bassey or Frank Sinatra were the previous night, next to them was a permanent thing. They had star, 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 then had a a black thing, stay out. That was my That was yours. That was my dressing shed. So I had a spare suit, spare shirt, some boot polish, and I and a shower. So when you're young, mate. You're living the dream. Oh, you lose all your money and you Still go to work fresh as a daisy. <laughs> How good's that? Oh, mate, you've, you've got some stories. You've had, you've had a life. There's no doubt about that. Um, hey, what do, you reckon, what do you reckon you're most famous for in, in racing circles? What do you reckon people will remember you for the most in racing? Oh, they won't. She out in the bar after? Oh, maybe. Winning, the, winning, the, winning the Golden Slipper with Hawkey. Yeah. I think because of Hawkey's, Hawkey will live on forever. Yeah. I think that moment, that moment was just etched in. Everyone's memory. Anyone who was there, I remember Bob, how I gave him a share in the horse. I went to his 70s. I didn't know you had to buy presents. <laughs> well, I didn't think at our age you buy presents for anyone. <laughs> but all queuing up to pay homage to Hawkey envelopes. I don't know what was in them. And you know, lovely, thoughtful gifts. And I was trying to take my tie off. And I thought, no. I knew I had a horse that Clary Connors thought trial really well. And so I said, mate, I've got this special horse. I want to give you a quarter of it. And it was okay, except Jerry Rose was in it with me. And he he hated the liberal. He was liberal all his life. He didn't like. He and <laughs> he and Hawkey became great friends because that was Bob's great. Yeah. He cut through the politics. Yeah, yeah, he was yeah. the he was Bob Hawke. Yeah. He's prime minister for all Australians, and they became really close. And when we won it, I remember being with Bob and Blanche, and we went up to the dining room by mistake instead of the owners. Thing. So when the when they jumped, Hawkey stood up. Well, there we are. People at the races, they're not that keen on, even if your Prime Minister's standing up in the golden slipper, sit down, sit down. <laughs> and that horse missed the start, as you remember, by eight lengths or whatever it was. Well, 20 lengths by the time I finished the story. Yeah. But I missed it badly. Lenny yeah. Beasley had every right to pull it up. Yeah. Would have been declared a non-starter. Stewards, John yeah. Shrek told me later. A start is imminent in the year 2000, Amy Golden Slipper. Starter on the stand, presses the button, they're off, and Belle de Jure bungled the start. The rider almost went over ahead, and French Braids and King of Danes bounced out in front, going up very, very quickly. So he didn't pull it up. He, he rode for luck. Larry Cassidy wouldn't let him out, which you'll see if you ever get that uh, the blimp footage. Yep, yep, yep. 
the blimp footage has yep. Lenny Beasley speaking over it. Yep. And it ties in exactly by accident with the footage. It's yep. a marvellous bit of TV. Yeah, yeah. And uh, it was just Hawkey saying, is it us? Is it us? Yes, mate. Can we win? We can't win from there. <laughs> Everyone talks like Jerry. <laughs> Chinese, all the accents are the same. Yeah. And I said, well, no, we can't win from there, mate. But sit down because the people are trying to watch. Ah, is that us? Is that us coming around them? Yeah, mate. Does that, we've got a chance. I said, no, he won't let him out. He's had to go back in. I had binoculars. Hawkey's trying to look on the big screen, yeah, yeah. which is no good on the turn yeah. at Rose Hill. And so he just saw it. When it, was, when it couldn't get out at all, there was this last chance. Flashed down the outside for an unlucky seventh or something. But because he was forced inside, the seas parted like the Red Sea, like the biblical bang, biblical bang. story. It yeah. just opened. Here she comes. Crown Glory is out after a assertive lad who hit the front. And Belle de Jour, Belle de Jour right through the middle. Freakish win. Belle de Jour almost fell at the start. Gets the golden slipper. Belle de Jour from a photo. Crown Glory and assertive lad. Well, I can't believe it. That was freakish. And as if it was meant to be, if it was ordained, Belle de Jour just, it won pretty easy. And it won, came back and won the flight. Belle de Jour's the horse you gave Hawkey as a, as a spur of the moment. Yeah, spur of the moment. 370th, because yeah. you didn't take a gift. And worse, worse, <laughs> it was 10 to 1. I always have fifth, I used to have fifth prize. That's before Peter Volandi's made fifth prize, 10 million. Yeah. <laughs> when it was 100 grand yeah. and the golden slipper, I always had fifth prize. Clary thought it would win or be right there. And if Clary says it's going to be in it, they're in it. But for that horse to win that day was just an absolute miracle. And then I think there was a photograph. I can't remember who did it, who took the photograph. They won the round-the-world trip with it. Someone, me or someone, was squirting champagne all over Hawkey and Blanche. <laughs> myself. So it couldn't have been me squirting. Anyway, it was just one of those, one of those days, one of those nights. So how did it come that... How did it come that you end up shouting the bar that day? Oh, I don't know, mate. <laughs> Just, it seemed to me, <laughs> I had in the past had some troubles in the members because they were very keen on, they didn't understand in the olden days that if you've got a crowd to a pub, you've got to keep people there drinking. There's a lot of money in it. Yeah. At, at Royal Randwick, Royal Rose Hill, as soon as they were, the staff ran the, the green coats, ran everything. They decided if your dress was right, they decided when you left. If the race is over, so is the service, yeah. bar service. And I used to complain all the time. I said, Christ, you get people here. You win the last, you've got to leave in five minutes. Why wouldn't you keep people here? Open one bar, yep. owner's, trainer's bar, something. Yep. So something obviously clicked in my mind. That, and I was, Tui's were big customers of mine. We still work very closely together. I th- and Tui's were the, uh, the, sponsor. the sponsor of yeah. the Golden Sipper back then. So I thought... We'll have a shout, but only for, not for members. I looked around and they don't need free grog. <laughs> and Singo's putting on free twoies for everyone. We can't find him. He might have already gone to the bar. Anyway, this is the members bar, and I've been throwing out that many members bar. I don't want to stay here. I'm going to the public bar, and there's going to be free piss all afternoon, and, and we can throw the members out of the public bar. So it was free booze all afternoon. I don't know whether you could do it What did it cost you? I don't know. I don't care. <laughs> Hawking can tell you, because he could tell you if he's around what his quarter share yeah. was. He was a bit upset I took it out of his... Oh, he took it out of the winnings. Well, we won a million dollars 
tax because when I asked him if they wanted to bet, of money by the end of it, <laughs> Orky had never bet more than fifty and hundred in his life. Yeah. And Blanche said, "Bob, John's right. It's already in the bank. Why don't we have a go?" And Jerry Rose said, oh, "I agree." And so instead of me having a hundred grand on it, I gave half of that away to Jerry. <laughs> so not that I worried, mate. I couldn't care less. I just thought it was a good idea to have members own, members could buy their own, and the public we drink all we wanted. Yeah. And the, I didn't think it through enough. The crowd after the slipper was bigger than before, because if you and I are young and drinking at yeah. Granville or Lidcombe or yeah, yeah. Auburn, why, why would we want to drink in a pub when we gather at Rose Hill and get it free? Get it free. You do it the following year too, didn't you? With ha ha. Yeah, but oh. Rob Ferguson announced it, right. and that really, and there's a bit it's of a difference in what ads do work. The way you present the ad works. One was a chocolate block, the other one, no one heard it. <laughs> Rob's a great bloke. But giving away free grog's not his caper. I think he found it a bit, the whole idea a bit. So what, what can we absurd. expect at the Singo, mate? That's, that's, that's the question. Oh, well, there'll be a shout of some kind. Yeah. yeah. That's, that's something that'll, that'll have the listeners enthused. Yeah, well, there'll be free grog if we win the, if we win the Eureka, if we win the Singo. Great name. Whose <laughs> <laughs> idea is that? Not mine. Well, that's two bites of the cherry. 20th August is the Singo. 2nd yeah. of, of September is the, the Eureka. They're going to be fantastic. So we'll be drunk for two weeks. <laughs> and then I can start driving. Drunk. So RSA in those drives? Well, I, I, that's Clubman Angle's problem. Yes, well, I've applied to, to get a licence before, but I don't think, A, I don't think I'll get a licence. A's discrimination. <laughs> B, <laughs> I won't be any good if I do get lost. No, see. Yeah. Well, mate, it's going to be. See, I was just falling off, I think, of Johnny Tap. I didn't want to go there. <laughs> well, mate, it's going to be fantastic to have you out at, uh, at Tab Court Apartment Angle. Definitely yeah. for Singer on the 20th August. We'll see you again at Eureka on the 2nd of September. This is a fantastic initiative. It's great to have you in. And part the more of it. important, the biggest prize money trot in the yeah, world. The richest ever. race. Yeah, more than $2 million. $2 million. Yep. There's just going to be bells and whistles. There's going to be, you know, bands and. Um, you know, entertainment for the whole family of all ages. It's going to be just a great event. Wonderful to have you part of it, Singer. Yep. It's good to be, in, good to be back at the trots. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, as we said, the Tab Eureka, 2nd of September. Um, of course, the prelude to that is two weeks earlier. The Singo, one of the slots is going to be filled. Now, the way it's going to work, we, I don't know if I mentioned it before, that is going to be race three. You're going to announce it after race four, which gives you a little bit of, lead, yeah. a little bit of time just to... Well, absolute times. Look, at the, you yeah. can get carried away by a horse flashing home. Well, we're fascinated to see how that's all going to play out. As we said, we've never, never won for convention, you, Mr Singleton. So yeah. um, fascinated to see how that plays out. The best way to see it, of course, is to be at the track at Tabcourt Parkman Angle on uh, the 20th of August. And make sure you're there again on the 2nd of September. It's going to be the biggest thing you've seen in harness racing in years. So uh, get out there, enjoy the festivities. Sing, I'll be there. You never know. He's, he just teases. He might even buy you a beer. Who knows? Yeah. Thanks, Paul. Good on you. Uh, thanks to the listeners. Uh, been a fascinating stroll down memory lane around the, um, the, the, the background in the equine industry of John Singleton, and, and now it's great to have him part of uh, our industry with harness racing. Thanks for listening. We'll catch you next time on the Sprint Lane. Bye-bye.